welcome to this week's episode of the Compass Equip Podcast. I'm Pastor Evan. And I'm not Pastor Hayden. And here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything that we do here at Compass, including this podcast and literally almost everything, well, actually everything, is to fulfill that mission of reaching, teaching, and training. All right, Compass, we are still in our current series in the genealogy of Matthew and called People and Promises, the Rise and Fall of a Nation. And even though we might go, wow, we are six weeks or four weeks in. Four weeks in, and we're still in the genealogy. This is the magnitude and importance of all these names, and this is why it's important for us to slow down and study them. So we read out of Matthew chapter 1, the second half of verse 6, in the first half of verse 7. Uh, and I'll read it right now. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam. All right, Pastor Hayden, from those few words, you were able to still preach a very you know lengthy and in-depth... What are you and, trying to say? I'm trying to set you I'm up for kidding. success, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He was mean to me. It's a, it's a long sermon. Is that what you're trying to say? No, I'm just saying you got oh. a lot out of that text because oh, good, good. there's a lot there. There's a lot there. And so your main point was our deficiencies ought to be the catalyst that directs us to trust in Christ's sufficiency as the promised King of Kings. I like that word play right there. Deficiency, sufficiency. sufficiency. Yeah. You know, it's almost like it's a... It's there. It's, yeah. like it, it's like it's cohesive throughout Scripture. Yeah. All right. So before we get to the points, what is from that application from these names what should we do at home you know starting this week based on that it's realizing that although forensically justified in christ that means everything that we were lacking in the presence of god has now all been sufficiently accounted for as we have had the imputation of the righteousness of christ really big words just saying this that in the presence of god you are justified because of christ we still have the daily uh, battle of trusting in our own flesh, right? What is left of uh, our sinfulness is in our flesh, although our spirits are being renewed daily. Our flesh, which is not, right, which is deteriorating. You look in the mirror right now, a little bit different than what it looked like a few years ago. You understand that your flesh is deteriorating and your flesh is always at war with your, with your spirit. And so because of that, uh, we understand that we have a daily battle with trusting in our own selves over Christ, uh, and really our deficiencies are often highlighted when we when we lack trust in Christ, and we need to make sure that we're reminding ourselves, hey, we are sufficient in Christ, that our sufficiency comes from Him, so let's walk in step with the Spirit that He gave us, and so that we're not walking in our own ways, that we're walking in the will of God. Well, based, kind of uh, going from there, your first point was for us to get real about your deficiencies. Now, this can seem like a very... Actually, it is a very confrontational point. It can seem to be downer, negative Nancy. What are you trying to say? I'm looking <laughs> in the mirror and saying, hey, you, Evan, in the mirror, you suck. So how is this point even hopeful? I used a funny little illustration in our Life Group Leader podcast, and uh, it, it can be hopeful, and it is hopeful. Uh, it's kind of like uh, if somebody stinks real bad, like they just stink, and they smell so bad, and they go to the doctor, and they're meeting with the doctor and say, listen, I just, I stink. I just smell really, really bad. And I don't know what it is. And the doctor's like, well, there's good news. We have a cure for that. Like it's, did you hear that? There was the good news. So the good news was, Hey, I can make you not stink anymore. What are you trying to say? <laughs> Funny. 
and the doctor solves the problem. And guess what? That is just a good thing, and it's joyful, and there's so much fullness in that. And and I mean, all the good things that you that you could feel, you have that. But it's because you got real about your deficiencies and got them taken care of in Christ. And you know, obviously, we're removed now from this analogy, but in Christ, it's getting real about your deficiencies is the stinky part. But it leads to the good part, the wonderful part. And there is no wonderful part out part apart from first admitting your deficiencies. All right. So with that, now how, what does that look like? What does it look like for us to admit our deficiencies? And how do we do that this week? And how do we do that as we prepare for life groups? As a Christian or non-Christian? Uh, let's start with the non-Christian. Well, at first you need to respond to the gospel. And, part, and the response to the gospel is saying, I'm a sinner. You see, I mean, that's it's, it's fundamental to the Christian faith. And then it's every day, even as a Christian, is saying, well, am I sufficient in and of myself? No. Every single day, I'm I'm battling with the flesh of living for myself versus living for the Lord, and living in the power uh, and work of the Spirit versus living under my own power. And, I mean, you're dealing with this every single day. So, practically, it's, it's getting up every day and committing to saying, today I'm going to walk in step with the Spirit, and you're going to pray to God, and you're going to ask God to give you uh, the strength, that His strength, that you would walk in His ways and not your own ways, and that you would create uh, patterns in your life, accountability with other men or other women in your life, or uh, creating, hey, you know, every day I'm doing a quiet time, every day I'm seeking the Lord in prayer, uh, as a reminder of walking in His ways and not your own. And I go to church and center the teaching of the Lord. I listen to this podcast every week as reminders and help and helpful tools that equip me to not trust in myself and to trust in Him. And that leads into kind of what the, one of the further insights I have written down for this point about the Davidic covenant. And it's not that we're relying on David to deliver us. We're relying on the person the covenant was pointing to. Yeah. Again, I've I've squashed David firmly in the sermon. And the reason I do that, there are some redeeming qualities in David. It's not redeeming in the sense of his salvation, apart from faith in God, but uh, redeeming in the sense that there are some good things that David has done. But none of them necessitate us focusing on his part in the Davidic covenant. The part of the Davidic covenant is all about God. Uh, it's the, I forget now what it's a, there's a title and, and a definition of that kind of covenant. It's a it's a one way covenant. It's the God's covenant with David uh, and saying, David, I'm going to do this regardless, and I'm going to do this, and you can mess up, and you can do all these goofy things, which he did, but it didn't null God's promise to David. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, even what, what, what do you want to get out of this Davidic <laughs> thing other than what we said earlier? Uh, it's, yeah, you need to understand the Davidic covenant is so fundamental to the coming of Christ. Like it's, you can't think of Jesus outside of thinking of the Davidic covenant because it's talking about the coming of Christ, although they, didn't, they, wouldn't have, they, they may have called it the coming of the anointed one because that's what that word Christ, uh, Messiah, comes from. Uh, but they wouldn't have said it was Jesus, the you know of Nazareth. But we now, looking back, twenty twenty hindsight, we we can we can say who it is because that's who it was. And now we're awaiting him as he's dealt with sin once and for all. He's going to come back now to deal with a lot of these other things, uh, ruling and judgment, um, and uh, ushering in the, the kingdom. 
Yeah, our deficiencies is going to make sure that we exalt Christ and the Davidic covenant is just going to bring hope where we see the Davidic covenant played out just as a teaser in Second Samuel chapter 8 where David was able to conquer all these lands and subdue them. Well, Jesus, Right after the Davidic covenant. Right after yeah. the Davidic covenant was given and then Jesus is the full fulfillment of that where he doesn't just conquer nations, he conquers sin, he conquers death and this is the person who's going to have an everlasting perfect kingdom that we get to look forward forward mm-hmm. to. So the segue right into point number two of invest in eternal affairs. All right, Pastor Hayden, that is talking about Solomon and his failure, but let's jump right into the application. How can we directly apply, maybe even practically apply this point this week? It's focusing on the eyebrows up and not the eyebrows down. What I mean by that is we're so focused on things under the eyebrow, things that we can see right in front of us, that we we won't even focus on the things above the eyebrow, the things in eternity, the things, the heavenly realities. Uh, And and I thought, okay, what does all that mean? Well, it it just simply means this. like We're so focused on uh, horses, on uh, gold and, and silver, and women, and I'm talking. Of course, that's the gold gals, gals giddy up, or gold glory and girls. It just depends on who you're talking to. Same concept. Yep. Uh, and and I know we're talking. Okay, women's like, well, I'm not focusing on on girls, or maybe you are focusing on horses, but that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. The point of this is you're focusing on the pleasures of the now, the here and now. You're focusing on things that are taking your attention away from God. And you got to turn away from those things. So we got to invest in eternal affairs. And you know how empty it was, even for Solomon after he chased after all those things. I mean, he just quotes in uh, in Ecclesiastes too, meaningless. It was all meaningless. It's like, come on, like that's like your great 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 grandfather looking at you and saying, "Don't do it. It ain't worth it." You know, you're like, maybe maybe that man knows something. Maybe maybe he knows something. I don't know. Well, he does. He's saying, "Don't do it." Like, there's so many better things, eternal things, treasure that we can be uh, storing in heaven. And I just, and and I'm not just, I'm not pocket grabbing your 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 uh, checkbook. Like, do we even have checkbooks anymore? Uh, I'm just saying, listen, you've got to come to that conclusion, like to realize that it's not, there's so much more worth investing in than the things of the flesh and saving for the next car or house or, you know, boat or whatever. Keep going. And so the what, new phone. You know, what in turn can we invest in? What does it look like to invest in? Yeah, and, and it's practical and it's like, okay, how many of us are investing in the spiritual lives of our children? Are, are you working all week long and you're coming home tired? Or, uh, or you're just straight lazy, you know, and you're not, you're not talking to your kids about eternal things. I mean, there's, that's just to prove that I'm not talking about your money. But then we can get to your money. It's like, man, what do you spend your money on? Are we sacrificially giving to the, the mission and ministries of God? Are we, are we doing, are, are we putting our treasure where our mouth is? You say all these things, but your wallet is speaking a whole different language. Uh, we can keep going on to everything else, you know, when it comes to the way that we're investing uh, are we investing in things that we know the Bible talks about as eternal consequences in a good way? My mom always said there are positive consequences and negative consequences. The positive consequences of eternal, of focusing on eternal things is there are both eternal rewards uh, and our life reflects our views on eternity and the coming of Christ. All right. Well, in the coming of Christ, this leads us to point number three for us to eagerly await the coming of our King. And you mentioned this in the uh, Life Group Leader podcast that the purpose of this genealogy is to prove Jesus is the King to come, and mm-hmm. especially beginning with you know two heavy hitting names, you know David and Solomon, which most people in America probably know those names and probably know who they reference, but they aren't the King. They aren't the perfect ones. David was great, but he was a was he great? 
liar, Solomon was thief, a great murderer, but he was adulterer. A okay, I'm sorry. I know I've been squashing on David. You've been squashing, all right? But yeah. <laughs> but we need to eagerly await our coming king. And this is where you referenced Isaiah chapter nine. And so, um, what do we need to take away from this point? And then how do what do we need to turn around then? apply to what do we need to do as the from the what is the tr- the response that is demanded from the truth of the scripture yeah, i mean yeah eagerly awaiting anything i mean practically speaking if you're eagerly awaiting uh the arrival uh maybe maybe you're dating someone maybe you're married and your spouse has been gone for a while uh you know whatever maybe they're a, a soldier and in the military and they're gone for a year i mean the way that you live especially as you know the day is drawing near the way you live is different right the way you think who are you thinking about you're two weeks from the return of your spouse. Who are you thinking about every single moment? Like, or what are you doing at the home to prepare for them? Uh, what are you spending your money on? You know, you see what I'm saying? Like, when we're eagerly awaiting the coming of someone that we love and that we're waiting for and that we're anticipating, our whole life changes. But yet, when we're eagerly awaiting the coming of Christ, we're saying, yeah, yeah, well, I mean, if, if he shows up. You know, it's like we have full confidence that Christ is showing up and we need to eagerly await for that means that we need to be preparing and living a life in step with the expectation that our king is coming and that's exactly what Isaiah is pointing to there in Isaiah 9 6 through 7 the kings are gone Isaiah is prophesying at at the uh, at the uh, deportations and there are no kings the kings are the kings have failed and now we're looking forward to a future king all right so we understand that no one else has fulfilled this, and yet now the apostles are quoting Isaiah, pointing straight to Jesus Christ, saying this is the fulfillment. And he came to deal with sin. He was crucified for our transgressions. He bore our stripes that we may be healed. He was buried. He was raised, resurrected, eternally at the right hand of the Father now, and awaiting his second coming uh, to deal with justice and to deal with reigning over the world. And so we look at that saying, man, this is very easy to connect point A and point B here and say we're looking forward to Christ. All right. Well, Compass, we have application questions every week. This, every week. And you know, this week we have five questions as you know, it's actually only ten. But there are gonna be ten really helpful questions. But Pastor Hayden, I want to kind of draw our attention to it's nine know, nine questions. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Just rounding up. Right. Oh. Second Samuel, uh, your question number two, excuse me, about getting real about our own deficiencies. Your second question under question number two. Um, how can we do this and how do we share this to our life group this week? I think it's a great opportunity for your life group to begin uh, growing a, uh, a rapport with one another, uh, an opportunity for you to get deeper. Uh, to be honest and transparent. It's kind of like that interview. It's like you only got two options. Right? You're going to get in that life group and you're either going to tell the truth or you're going to lie. And if you lie, everyone knows you lied. And so so that's not an excuse not to go to your life group this week because that's the third option. And then you're definitely holding something back. <laughs> that's just kind of a joke. Uh, but the, the reality for you is to say, man, this is an opportunity for your life group to grow together by talking about the realities of our deficiencies and our need for Christ. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Hayden, for your sermon this morning. It's time for... The DBR Spotlight, isn't it? It is. What are we looking at? We are looking at Isaiah chapter 25 through chapter 40. 
And just as a quick reminder, the name Isaiah means the salvation of Yahweh or Jehovah. So this is something that's exciting. So throughout the whole book of Isaiah, it's about the salvation that God provides. And there's a lot of background information. You can look, refer back to our last week's podcast about the divided nation and the Assyrian conquest of the northern kingdom because it's a divided kingdom and the Assyrian, Assyrian invasion to come. Um, and how it's very Christological. People call it the fifth gospel, or you can say the first gospel because it is rich with um, the you know, the Christological terms, the forecasting and the foretelling of this Christ, this Messiah to come, which in Isaiah 53, which will be next times, we'll talk about that on the next DBR spotlight. But I want to walk through these chapters because this is where we're we're in the meat and potatoes. We're in the, the grittiness of it. We're we're, we're we're all in. We're 12 feet underwater right now in the book of Isaiah in the sense of it is... We're 12 feet underwater eating meat and potatoes. That's right. <laughs> so it's a lot of metaphor. There you go. That is just an example that just happened. There it is. So you can almost divide Isaiah into... I don't want to say two books because that's another controversy for another time. But the first 39 chapters is God talking about the kind of the retribution of God. And then the, the second half of the book, verses 40 to 66, is the restoration by God. You know, God's judgment, but then God's restoration. But love to, as quickly as possible, walk through the chapters this week to help you pre- get prepared to understand what is Isaiah talking about? Because you might be feeling that way. So, Chapter 24, you're going to be reading this today on Sunday. This is a future outlook of of eternal future. So this is a time of future judgment, a great judgment to come, where God is, in verse 21, going to punish the whole host of heaven. So he's not talking about necessarily today. He's talking about in the future to come. Uh, Next, in chapters 25 to 27, this is also a future outlook. This is a time of blessing in the kingdom. And this is where... Actually, let me read this verse, and you tell me which book of the Bible it's in. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. That whole wiping away the tears, doesn't that sound like Revelation chapter 20, uh, chapter 20 and 21, where the new heavens and new earth come? So this is a future view of what is to come. But then Isaiah shifts gears real quick through uh, chapters 28 to 33. The the woes, the hate, you better get ready for this calamity, uh, people, because it's coming. This is now Isaiah talking into the present of the present situation that is going on in the northern kingdom and in the southern kingdom. Chapter 28, this is the woe to Ephraim. That's another name for Samaria, the northern tribes of Israel and Judah. Uh, Ezekiel, we will call the northern tribes Ephraim as well. That's also Ephraim is the descendant of Joseph. And this is where God is going to unite. That's in Ezekiel 37, but we're in Isaiah 28. Essentially, God says, because of your just debauchery and your sin, I'm going to judge you and you're, you're going to be drowning in your sin because of the drowning of uh, from me and my judgment of your sin next is the woe to jerusalem uh he's like where where's jerusalem it says ariel well ariel is not the little mermaid swimming around in the ocean but ariel is uh is another name for jerusalem in chapter 29 and the the judgment is, is that people are drawing near with their mouths and honoring them god with his li- their lips where their heart is far from me. And again, this is alluded in the Gospel of Matthew. And a lot of the problems that we have in our world today. And we have a lot of people who talk about God 
and say they love God, but the way that they live and the way they think is nothing to do with the way they love the Lord. And guess what? He promises that they will perish. And even though it's a present application for Isaiah, it is a principle that's going to happen. The next is another woe in chapter 30. It's a uh, rebellious children, and they were rebellious children, lying children, unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord. And this is verses 9 through 11. Excuse me. First sneeze. Excuse uh, you. First sneeze on the Compass Equip podcast. And they're going to uh, try to prophesy for God and say, don't do not do it. Don't even bother. Uh, but he he's going to bring this judgment, verse 18, for this reason. He wants to show, he wants to exalt his mercy to them. He's like, I'm going to raise judgment against you, but I also want to show mercy to you. And blessed are those who wait Because for of Lord. justice, right? And it's, it's, it's all about justice. And that's what you need to understand when it comes to the consequences of sin is that God can't let sin slide, just like you don't want to judge in our judicial system to let sin slide. You call that injustice. In the same way, God is a just God, and so there is retribution for disobedience. And one of the things they disobeyed is actually chapters uh, 31 to 32. God told Israel, don't make an alliance with other nations, specifically with Egypt. Trust in me. Don't trust in Egypt. That's where Solomon failed when he made all these marriage alliances. God said, trust in me. I will protect your borders. But Solomon's trying to be crafty and wise and tactful in a secular sense that we would go, oh, that's a pretty smart move. And God said, that's the dumbest move because you aren't trusting me, which is actually the smart move. Well, what do they do in chapter 31 to 32? God, uh, Israel's tempted to go to the Egyptians for what? Uh, for their horses. Remember, they're not the kings of Israel, not supposed to go gather many horses. Say, no, the Lord God will protect you. Don't go to Egypt. Uh, the next is the chapter 33 is the woe to the destroyers. This is the uh, Assyrian army. This uh, this uh, part part of the chapter is you know Israel's deliverance from uh, Assyria. And then things will shift uh, gears in chapters 34 to 35. We move from the present back to the future. We'll look at that little accidental segue. We're going back to the future. Uh, Chapter 34, this is the Lord's day uh, of vengeance on the nations. This is a a future eschatological end time uh, event happening. And then uh, then it's going to become his blessing, which we'll save for just a moment in chapter 35. And then things shift gears almost completely because the prophecies become a narrative all of a sudden. So chapters 36 to 39 is this historical narrative, and you say interlude, where Judah is about to be in, in captivity. Assyria is on the march. The northern kingdoms have fallen. Uh, Sennacherib has invaded and conquered Israel, the northern tribes. He's on the doorsteps of Jerusalem. What's going to happen? Well, kings of Hezekiah cried out to God. God delivered, and you know the angel of the Lord came and defeated the army of the Assyrians, and God's promise was fulfilled. But it doesn't end positively; it kind of ends negatively in chapters thirty-eight and thirty-nine because Judah's captivity to Babylon is foretold because Hezekiah welcomed the emissaries of Babylon, thinking, "Oh, this will be peace and security for my days." And Isaiah prophesies, saying, "No, this is where you guys are going to be." Your, your sons and their their nation is going to be in exile. And so this is just where we leave off this week. And in the future, next week, we'll be focusing on the future, the restoration of God by God in chapters 40 to 66. Where we see a lot of Christ references. A lot of Christ references. And so... As the coming king. There you go. 
And we'll get you get there in, in just a second in our highlight for this uh, this week. Now, remember, of all this, keep this purpose grounded in you. And this is from the Bible Knowledge Commentary, is that Isaiah was calling Israel, uh, the people of Judah, back to a proper covenantal relationship with God to remember their sinful condition to, um, how do you put it in the sermon? To, to admit their uh, deficiencies. deficiencies, which they were living in, and to turn to God's sufficiency and how he will restore them with full kingdom blessings. See how the whole Bible is connected? Boom. Boom. All right, Pastor Hayden, we have a Isaiah highlight. It's Isaiah 35, verses 4 through 10. And the reason why it's a highlight is because later in Matthew chapter 11, he's going to quote Isaiah 35. Let me read it to you guys right now. Say to those who have an ancient heart, be strong. Anxious heart? It sounded like it said ancient. Sorry. It's anxious. <laughs> they're old. They're very, very ancient. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. All right. Sorry. Be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. That sounds like it's from the Gospel of Matthew because Matthew quotes Boom. it. And so... Here is something that is just really wonderful is that here God's going to say, hey, this is how God is going to do it. God's going to, this is how he's going to save you. He's going to open the eyes of the blind. He's going to have the ears of the deaf unstopped to be able to hear again for the lame man to leap like deer. And so that is why when John the Baptist in Matthew 11 hears about Jesus's ministry, he's in prison. He's like, Jesus, are you the Messiah to come? Are you the one that Isaiah 35 talks about how there's going to be a way of holiness, that they're only the redeemed are going to be on this. There's going to be no more temptation, no more lying, no more death. Instead, the ransomed of the Lord will return to Zion. He's looking for this King. And he's going, Jesus, you seem like a nice guy, but are you the one to come or should we look for another? And Jesus answered him, hey, go and tell John what you hear and see because he knows John knows the Bible really well. He said, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Christian, this is the importance of knowing our Bibles well and seeing Christ foretold in the Old Testament to see Christ uh, in fruition in the New Testament and promise to come as we look forward to our future um, life, our future eternity with Christ in the present. And so let this fulfillment of Isaiah spur us on to remember like the same promise of God that I shared last week in Revelation 21 is that God is going to bring a kingdom that where he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. There shall be no mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for those former things have passed away. This is the Davidic covenant that even Isaiah is alluding to, that Matthew shows that this is fulfilled in Christ and this is something that we get to look forward to. So Christian, make sure you look forward to and endure any trial you face knowing that of the hope to come. All right, church, we now have some announcements to give, and we are so encouraged by all that God is doing in our church, and we would just encourage you and, and uh, counsel you and exhort you to be a part of a lot of the events that we have coming up here. Uh, one that we are excited about is our Compass Kids Christmas Choir, entitled An Almighty Christmas, and that will be happening on December 18th. I looked at our registration. We have 32 kids registered for that. All right. We'd love a little bit more, maybe. And we are uh, really want this to be an opportunity both for our children to participate in our Sunday morning worship, but also an opportunity for uh, you to teach your kiddos the importance of uh, 
belonging to the body of the singing worship to the Lord. And also, finally, an opportunity for outreach. You have family who would love to see your kiddos sing praises to the Lord, mostly because your kiddos are the ones in there. And you have family who don't know Christ, family who aren't thinking twice about Christ, but are thinking two or three or four or five times about their grandkid or niece or nephew that will be there. And they get to be there, although on selfish grounds, one might add, but they get there and they get put in the firing lines of grace because right after the worship, we teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so use this as a grand opportunity opportunity for gospel advancement and for an opportunity for your child to be a part of what God is doing here on Sunday mornings. An opportunity for your child to learn what it looks like for gospel advancement in the purpose of our lives to reach, teach, and train. There you go. We also have a prayer night on October the 16th Woo-hoo! from 5 p.m. to 6.30. We're going to pray for 90 minutes, and we want the whole church to be a part of it. We know that God answers our prayers, and we want to be a praying church. It's our fifth distinctive. We want to commit to that, and we want you to be there with us. We just uh, invite you. Be there. Uh, we'll have uh, a great time praying and uh, beseeching the Lord. Uh, we have our men's and women's uh, events coming up, Men's Fellowship on October the 18th. Make sure you men plan a time to gather on the weekend of the October 8th to go over the last uh, application questions from Pastor Evans' teaching. Women, you have a women's breakfast on October the 22nd where Candace Jacobson is going to be teaching out of James chapter 3. And we do have a, a small announcement to give about our events coming up uh, for men's and women's. Starting in January, what we are going to do is we are going to have men's and women's fellowships and breakfasts just like normal, normal pattern. But instead of having the men's fellowships and the women's fellowships uh, meeting on their own, we're going to bring them here on campus so all the men and all the women on their respective times can fellowship with other men and other women even when they break into their smaller groups. They'll be able to gather with all the men at our church and all the women at our church. So that's just a small uh, adjustment we're going to make in some of our uh, gatherings. We hope that is a blessing to you guys so you're able to get to know more people while still being able to break off into your smaller groups. But we're going to start that in January, and so until then, continue in our regular ministry patterns. Church, we pray that this sermon that this weekend was edifying, was encouraging, that it would wound your heart and heal you as we respond appropriately to God's Word. We look forward to seeing you guys again this weekend. 